get the education, get mentorship, partner with seasoned, experienced people. So you're not having to go out into this blindly. Have a long-term mindset. Don't go out thinking you're going to make millions of dollars in the first two, three years. If you're building a long-term plan, yours will come. Stay in it long enough. Become a student. Become a student of this. We all have professional careers. We have to be masterful tacticians and whatever it is we do. And became a student of that material, whatever it is you are. If you're a surgeon, a brain surgeon, a dentist, an accountant, you, know, you niche down, you, you know that job really well. You're the subject matter expert. It's the same mentality with this business. We know that building wealth comes from owning businesses and making investments. Yet why still do nearly half of businesses fail in the first five years? And why do others lose it all in their investments? Welcome to the Wealth Watchers podcast, your resource for building a massive net worth. We bring real stories from real people who are experts in business and investing, who will share secrets and actionable strategies to amassing wealth and achieving success. Brought to you by Happy Camper Capital. And now, your hosts, Justin Hoggett and Adam Lendy. Welcome back to the Wealth Watchers Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lundy. With me, as always, is my co-host, Justin Hoggett. Justin, what's happening? Hey, not much, Adam. Uh, pretty exciting last weekend. Uh, we'll kind of put a date to this recording, but the Memorial Day weekend to kick off the summer is a great time. We had uh, our parks operate in full efficiency and people having a good time starting off summer with us. We're super excited about that. And our team is hitting the ground strong right now, getting some other deals in the pipeline. So it's an exciting time. I can't even believe it's June already. Like, wh- where did the first half of the year go already? You know, we're, we're about to wrap up Q2 here soon. And I feel like we were just setting goals the other day. That's right. Okay, Justin. Well, let's bring on our guest today. Our guest today is the founder of Anthem Capital, um, Ivan Vian. Ivan, how are you today? Hey, doing well, Adam and Justin. Great to be here and excited to have the opportunity to share. Well, we're glad to have you on today. Um, obviously, you know, you're speaking to, on a topic that's near and dear to our hearts. I kind of taken a different angle, which is a nice, fresh look, um, the, you know, from other conversations we've had with other people in our space. Uh, but before we get into the meat and potatoes of things, I'd love to get a little bit of your background, kind of get to know the man behind the story. So if you could indulge us and give us a little bit about who you are and why it is you do what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, just a little bit about myself. Um, I am a... 20-year veteran. Uh, spent 20 years in the Air Force. Uh, recently retired back in October of 21. So uh, those that know you can't grow beards in the Air Force. So I was able, I'm now able to grow my post-military uh, career beard. So I'm feeling good about that. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, spent 20 years in the Air Force. And you know, um, tell a quick story. So you're serving in the Air Force and at times they'll have this riff uh, mandate come down. RIF stands for reduction in force. And what reduction in force is, they're going to find ways to save money in the Air Force by eliminating some of their most um, most costly expenses. And what is that? People, labor. And so every once in a while, a RIF would come through and they'll find ways to get rid of people in the Air Force. And that like did not sit well with me because, uh, or, or my my friends or colleagues, because here we are, we invest ourselves into a military career. 
uh, that potentially well, puts us at risk. And uh, it's a huge sacrifice and commitment. And we want to simply serve. And I can understand why the Air Force would do it and the military would do it in general. Um, but, you know, like you, you realize that there actually is no guarantees in life. And so that's what got me interested in what I focus on now is um, real estate investing. And I first got started investing in single family properties. And I learned about the power of cash flow and scaling. And so I um, first started out single family and, and, and scaled that business up to around 30 properties, I think what I had, but I got tired of doing that. And I was self-managing. Uh, I was overseeing my own construction rehab. Um, I was also an investor realtor while I was representing other clients selling investment properties on my lunch break and after work. And I said, there's got to be a better way. And that's how I got interested in multifamily. So in 2016, I joined a mentorship program located in Texas and got my start in multifamily investing. And in that experience, um, for the past six years, in which I've been investing with my business partner, Teresa Sitar and I, uh, we've been fortunate enough to be able to grow that company or build that business to do approximately $200 million in real estate value, about $300 million in, uh, in transactions. We're able to raise around $65 million in equity, about 2,300 doors. Uh, it's been a, a great ride. Uh, the market's been strong. Uh, even in light of the rising interest rate environment, it's still overall strong. And by end of this year, we'll uh, hopefully have completed 13 exits um, over the course of the past six years. So a little bit about myself. Well, that's terrific. Well, first off, thank you for your service. Um, appreciate that. Uh, I, I guess the question I got for you just kind of looms is you, you did 20 years, which I know is kind of the standard military career. Um, did you, were you just pushing to get that 20 year number or, you know, I mean, or were you just bugging to get out sooner? I mean, I just kind of curious, was it, was that planned? Man, it, to be honest, you know, you always evaluate if I want to stay in or not, you know, uh, there's days where I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm staying all the way. And then there's days like, oh my God, please get me out of this place. I, I want to do something different, you know, but, you know, I, I flew airplanes my entire career, 20 years of flying the B-1 bomber. And uh, you have to sign a 10-year commitment. You're going to stay active duty for 10 years. So by the time I was eligible to get out of the Air Force, I already had actually about 11 years in. And I was like, well, I made it 11 years. I might as well stay in. So, you know, but I, uh, I uh, transitioned into becoming a full-time reservist. And it wasn't as demanding as a, being an active duty um, uh, member. And that allowed me to have more time to focus on real estate investing. Great. So you mentioned, of course, the single family to multifamily route, which is pretty standard, but you, you had a mentor getting into it. How valuable was that in your development early on? Uh, right. Invaluable. <laughs> because I tried to invest without mentorship. And let me tell you, I uh, dug myself a big hole back in 2008. I bought a single family house next door to where I was living. And interesting story about that was, my wife was in the hospital with a firstborn child and she told me to go home and pick up some clothes and, and, and a bag for her because we had to quickly get out the door as our child was being born. And, and there was this abandoned house next door. And I was like, what is going on here? And I already had one investment property. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to give me another. 
So long story short, I found the owner of that house. While I'm supposed to be back at the hospital, I actually just went to the owner's house, knocked on his door, said, I want to buy your house. And uh, he he let me buy that house that day. And I did not do my homework. I did not understand CMA and not, you know, CMA or um, comparative market analysis to understand what the rent comps were. <laughs> and I over rehab that house and went like $80,000 in the hole. And so I had to, had to dig myself out of that hole. Newborn baby, only a captain in the Air Force, not even making around 100K a year at that point. And I got mentorship after that. I realized I needed to take a step back and look at this from a better perspective. And the value of mentorship is this. You're not reinventing the wheel. You're finding someone who's already paved the way before you and emulating them someone who with a proven track record and with, um, with proven results. And that's what I did. I, I first joined a, a group in Dallas called Lifestyles Unlimited. And I learned about single family and multifamily. That's where I was introduced to the multifamily model. After is when I joined a group um, in Dallas uh, called the um, Brad Salmark Group. And Brad Salmark focused solely on multifamily investing. And because of that, I was able to fast track my investing career nine months into the program, my business partner and I had a three property portfolio under contract, total of 214 units, a 99 unit, 65 and a 50 unit property all in the Oklahoma City area. Did not know anything about multifamily investing, did not know anybody with millions of dollars to invest with. But because of this program, we're able to get access to people who have equity to invest and get access to an ecosystem of people that you need in order to close a deal. Property management companies, insurance agents, attorneys, brokers, et cetera. Yeah. So um, was there any, I guess, any correlation or crossover from your military career into this, or was this just a completely different world for you? Great question. I love answering this question. <laughs> uh, direct crossover, direct crossover. And that's why our my partnership is such a good fit for both of us. Not to say that my business partner cannot do operations or isn't capable of doing operations or vice versa. Or I'm not capable of handling the transaction side, but it's a good fit for both of us. My business partner, Tariq, uh, he handles transaction side, acquiring and disposing of the assets. I take care of everything in, be- in between. And, and, you know, military is operational all the way, right? And one thing they teach you in the military is understand the end goal objective, especially as a bomber pilot. Our end goal objective is to blow something up and make it go away, right? And we have to define the target, understand the target, and then we build a plan from the target backwards um, that will help us achieve that objective. And so in the same fashion, that's what I do with multifamily investing. I have to understand what is the end goal objective. Well, the end goal objective is this, to ensure we meet or exceed our investors' returns that we said we were going to uh, attain for them. That is the bottom line for us. That is what our focus is, to make sure we're able to perform for our investors, our investor partners. And then we build a business plan to ensure we're able to hit those projected numbers or better backwards. The end, the end point is when you actually sell the asset, right? All, all the way up until that point in time. And then you build a business plan backwards. 
And so that business plan is built through budgets. You have to build a budget each year with the profit company. And then you have to enforce and, and guide the team along the way, right? And that's where the that's where it's, some of it is, you know, some of it is just using emotional intelligence. Some of it, it's just a science and some of it's leading, some of it's managing. And I like to say, I, um, I lead people, but I manage processes. I don't micromanage. I make sure I align myself with a players, people that I know if I communicate well, what the plan is, provide the resources for them to execute that plan and then let them perform, then they will perform. But then you have to check in and make sure they're performing consistently along the way. And so the way we do that is through weekly KPI calls. We call them, um, we get on a call each week and look at the, um, the metrics, the performance indicators, and making sure that the property is performing. And so I know, again, what I need to hit here, for example, I need to hit this total income, this NOI, or this cash flow on a monthly basis. And on the call, I'm guiding the team to make sure we hit those numbers. And week by week, month by month, quarter by quarter, year by year, hopefully that happens, right? Hopefully. Um, and so, yeah, there's definitely plenty of crossover uh, from my military experience over to my family experience. How hard was it to maintain that job uh, or at least getting started as you were an Air Force pilot? Man, if you want something, you know, I don't know, hard could be a very relative term. It's all about how you see something in life. If you want it bad enough, you'll find a way. You know, um, I was hungry, man. I was, I've always been hungry. I always knew what I wanted in life. Even as a little boy, I knew I wanted to be a pilot in the Air Force. You know, when, when I got in the Air Force and realized that dream, then I said, what's next? And I realized, oh, I really want to be a multifamily investor. So I committed to that. Was it easy? I mean, again, what do you define easy? What do you define hard? I mean, stayed up late, had to go on a lot of trips. Yeah. Uh, work the weekends, sacrifice time for my family. Yeah, that could be hard. How did I do it? This is the key takeaway. Partnerships. I was not able to do this on my own. I would have never been able to do this on my own. It was through my partnership with Tariq Sattar. Tariq Sattar has a corporate finance background. He already knew how to do the attorneys, the brokers, the lenders. Because of his corporate finance background, his experience in the corporate world. And because he's just a very accomplished, intelligent individual. And that helps, right? And so therefore, while I'm flying around my B-1 bomber doing my training missions and handling my full-time job in the Air Force, he's the one taking care of that. Then on my lunch break or after work or in the evening, I can have access to my computer or these days, everyone has one of these bad boys in their hand. Oop, can't quite see it. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I manage a lot just through this. Send a text message, do an email in, your, in between time, right? As long as your nine to five is getting handled and you're making sure you're performing at your desk job or your real job or whatever it may be, then what else can they say, <laughs> right? Yep. And so that's how I was able to build a multifamily career while still serving in the Air Force. But I also have to point out 
my I, my job had some flexibility, not a whole lot of flexibility, but some flexibility where some people may not be in a position to allocate any time towards something on the side. And if that is the case, then fine. That's what it is. But you have to ask yourself, and this is my opinion. This is only I speaking. I had to, let me say it this way. I had to ask myself, what do I want? Well, do I want to be a four-star general? Do I want to uh, fly all over, all over the world all the time and never be home? Or do I want to still get to fly a cool airplane, still do a cool job, work with some really cool people, and yet still build a multifamily business, but maybe not make general? Yeah, that sounds like what I want to do, right? And so I just I committed to the fact that I'm going to be a full-time multifamily investor when I retire. And that put me on a different path in my professional career in the Air Force. That meant I wasn't going to... In, in the military, you go to these special schools to get special education and on all these other on all these other assignments. Or in my case, I didn't want to move around anymore because that gave me additional time to work on multifamily. And again, it comes back to what you want and you have to commit to that and go for it. And that's a serious decision, right? Because a lot of people put a lot of energy in, in their career, right? But also, at the same time, I think if people realize it could be something different out there that may truly be something they're passionate about or what they truly, really want, maybe this career really wasn't quite what they really wanted, then there's a way out. You can do it. You can have a career, in my case, also a family and a multifamily business where you can build it up simultaneously through partnering such that at a certain point, you can quit your nine to five job, go all in and do it full time. You guys probably have a similar story, I believe, right? It is doable. It is doable through partnerships. And look, I'm speaking to two people here, your partners, right? And exactly what it was like for me. And now we do this full time and now we're scaling. Now we're building full back and support team, front end support team, different teams throughout the West that we're partnering with that are taking down deals and operating deals and selling deals. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I can certainly sing the same tune in terms of uh, getting started in single family in my family. And uh, we renovated houses uh, myself and ourselves and, and put them on painters plastic in the upstairs bedroom while we're downstairs, whatever, you know? And so our kids were very much exposed to it. I, I hope they actually will continue in real estate as well in the future, but um I know that I put them in some uh, tough spots as kids, you know, I don't want to be here anymore, you know, that kind of thing. But, um, but yeah, it's interesting. And then, and then getting uh, involved into the next level. So um, would you, I always kind of like to hear people's opinion on whether uh, getting involved in the single family, like in your case, losing out, you know, maybe $80,000 or whatever, getting that uh, hard knock led, you know, do you, would you change it any other way or is there a way forward into multifamily or other uh, more advanced asset classes right off the bat? Uh, I, yeah, 100%. Like if I would have joined the mentor program ahead of me going $80,000 in debt, probably the result would have been I wouldn't have gone $80,000 in debt. <laughs> or, and I would have fast-tracked my career in the single family investing world. I didn't have to like just figure it out on my own, you know? And these days, this is a 
this is a massive industry now. This multifamily world has blown up since, in a good way, I mean, since the crash 2008. I mean, every week there's a new conference. Every week there's some kind of educational program or opportunity out there. There's so much content and knowledge and experience now to a certain point and degree that what I'm trying to say, there's, there's so many resources that you don't have to take the path that I did, right? Where you can actually fast track your career. And I've seen it happen over and over again through these mentorship programs. Multiple professionals come through, they learn the knowledge, they go through the training. And before you know it, they have two or three apartments under their belt. Before you know it, they're now retired from their nine to five. Before you know it, um, they are starting a property management company and going vertically integrated and building a construction company. And now they're on their own, right? I've seen it happen over and over again. Um, <clears throat> now, it also depends upon how much seed money you have, how much capital. There may be quite a few listeners here that have an extensive amount of capital um, to deploy into multifamily assets. And that's one route to go. You don't have to become a general partner operator, you can invest into these deals passively. And on average for us, on average to date, we have roughly returned about 25% average annualized returns to our investors. So you can do the math. And I would say, and again, I have to be careful how I say this. This is, this is not forecasting the future. This is just determining what we did in the past. I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow from a you know, big picture standpoint, but our track record is about that. So someone can take a look at how much capital they have and they can assess. That's what's beautiful about this business is that you can, you can fast track yourself in the active world as an owner operator and take down deals and be an owner operator. Or you can also come in as a passive investor, still keep your nine to five job, build up passive income on the side, and also realize amazing tax benefits. Um, this is the last year where we can, 2022, implement 100% bonus depreciation, which basically, when you acquire an asset, you get to appreciate the value of the asset, which equates to about anywhere from 60 to 75% of your investment. Uh, what that means, if you invest, say, $100,000, anywhere from 60 to 75%, on average, you will be uh, able to write off as a loss against your adjusted gross income, you know? So that's a huge benefit. And that's something we don't analyze in our deals or underwriting. We don't talk about the additional return you get on just by not having to pay taxes. But when you take that internal to your own personal situation and, on, and analyze it in your own personal finance arena, significant return on your investment compounded over time. That's what's beautiful about multifamily investing because these are large assets. We have a huge loss that we can take. And then again, this is last year, you could do 100% of that loss of the asset itself. Then it's going to go down 20% each year thereafter, um, back to then how it originally was. Yeah. Um, I've been, I wanted to hit on something real quick, which you, know, you, you mentioned a little bit ago about how you and your partner have specific roles. Your partner focuses on the acquisitions, the dispositions, you do everything else. Um, you know, what has having defined roles within your team um, done to help you, I guess, 
progress to where you are and scale the way you have? Well, you have to create those, you have to manage those expectations correctly up front, have clearly defined roles and responsibilities understood up front. Like you have to communicate it and then you have to repeat it back, make sure they understand what you said, because a lot of times there has been confusion in that. Like, no, that's not what I was saying. This is what I was saying. And then nothing gets done kind of thing. So like have those conversations, write them down. My experience, write them down on a piece of paper to understand what those defined roles are. Then that's that allows you to scale, allows you to scale and allows you to have a systematic organized approach to operating a business. It's no different than these are little companies. These are little businesses we're buying here, right? And so what do you have in companies? You have marketing, you have accounting, you have finance, you have operations, you have, you know, um, investor relations, you have acquisitions side, you have disposition side, you have all these different departments. And in the beginning, I understand what those roles are and the way you could do that is talk to experienced general partners owner operators and hear from them what those roles are, write all those roles down, and then have your next meeting with your partner or two to divvy up those roles to understand who's going to own what along the way. How do you know if you're working with your your strengths or not, right? Like, obviously, you're looking at those roles, and we've talked about this before in our company that, you know, hey, we've got a big org chart. It looks great, although we don't have all the people yet, right? So, you know, we're going to wear multiple hats for the time being. So, you know, what was the process for divvying those roles out? Yeah, the process for that is initially wasn't what I explained. Initially, it just naturally happened because, again, I'm flying in the airplane. I cannot take phone calls. So who's going to be the one taking phone calls from the brokers, lenders, and <laughs> right? And, and, and attorneys is my business partner, right? And I everything else fell into my bucket, the, the operational side. So... But, in, and again, not maybe not, you won't have a clear understanding of what all those tasks, responsibilities are until you have gone through it for a while. So maybe that, you know, you need to check in every once in a while. If you truly want to have a true partnership and you have a common vision of what you want to build, check in, you know, and you read, you hear about this in company, they have weekly sync meetings, daily sync meetings, quarterly sync meetings, you know. And all of these meetings is where you're now making sure you're staying on track. And if there's something being missed, you just talk about it. The whole point of having a relationship, you know, you have to have, be open and communicate and articulate again, maybe, you know, and this say, say there's an issue, right? You understand what's all the contributing factors to an issue. You do root cause analysis, identify what the root cause is. You determine a solution to uh, prevent that problem from happening again. And that solution, somebody has to own at that point in time. If somebody has to own that solution and you sign that to somebody and say, all right, I own this piece now. I want to run with it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and obviously, like I said, it, it's, it's one of those things that's easy, especially most people in our space are, are operators. Right. And we all just want to jump in and grab it, grab something, go with it. And <laughs> I found myself, you know, in our partnership before doing things that I shouldn't be doing just because it needs to get done. So you know, it's just obviously curious what your strategy was for, you know, more or less staying in your lane. But uh, I guess I'd be curious, just given your experience thus far and, and what you've learned along the way, um, you know, what would be to your advice for someone who's just starting out or making that transition from nine to five or military as you did or any other, you know, realm into this uh, space? Again, get the education, get mentorship, partner with seasoned, experienced people. So you're not 
having to go out into this blindly. Have a long-term mindset. Don't, my opinion, don't go out thinking you're going to make millions of dollars in the first two, three years. If you're building a long-term plan, yours will come. You stay in it long enough. Become a student. Become a student of this. We all have professional careers. We have to be masterful tacticians and whatever it is we do. And became a student of that material, whatever it is you are. If you're a surgeon, a brain surgeon, a dentist, an accountant, you niche down, you know that job really well. You're the subject matter expert. It's the same mentality with this business. I mean, I'm always finding, um, I'm always finding ways to learn more. You know, I would continually want to educate myself and be open to yourself. Like we're, we're not going to be good at everything. There's our strengths and our weakness and everything. And that's another key takeaway. Like find partners that you, where you complement each other, right? I have strengths. I have my weaknesses. The same for Tariq. He has his strengths and his weaknesses, but we, we really complement each other in a great way. And that's what makes for a great partnership. Right. Where I'm weak at, he's strong at. Where he's weaker at, I'm strong at. So, and, and just be open about that. And, and that's what makes for, you know, you don't have to be the expert at everything as well. But what you do have, what you do own, become the expert at that. So, and like for me, I'm the marketing guy in my company, you know, and I love marketing actually. And I've learned to really, really love it. There's a whole analytical side and there's a whole artistic side. And you get to merge both and create some cool things in the marketing arena. I'm the insurance expert and I can nerd out on insurance pretty good. I think at this point in time, <laughs> you know, and multiple conversations with insurance brokers getting educated on multifamily insurance and going through the process as well is how you get really good at multifamily insurance. Right. Uh, Tariq is finance. Like he is um, very good at finance. He can understands all the nuances in the term sheets of a, of a, finance um, or a finance term sheet. He, he can niche down and tell you all the ins and outs why this is a good term or a bad term. And he can forecast the implementation of those terms and underwriting sheet. That is his level of expertise, right? And, and with his finance background, his spreadsheets are like his thing. He's very, very good at spreadsheets. Me, not as good at spreadsheets, right? But what I'm good at is managing and leading people. And um, what I'm able to do is taking a step back, again, understanding what the end goal is and guiding the team along the way, ensure we hit that end goal target. So, and again, it's a, it's, a good, it's a good way. It's a good team overall. And it's how we're able to come together and complement each other to accomplish our end goal at the end of the day. Awesome, Ivan. Um, and obviously, you know, we're coming up on time. So I just want to, in the interest of getting to the brain pick, um, just want to say if anyone wants to carry the conversation on with you, reach out or find out about what you guys are doing. What's the best way to get in touch? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, come find us on our website, anthemcp.com, anthemcp.com. There you'll find a contact form. Love to connect with you and get to know more about you. Okay. Awesome. Justin, take it away. Wealth Watchers Brain Pick. All right. Ivan, I got. Five quick questions for you. First one, what is your superpower or unique natural ability? Yeah, I think one of my superpowers is um, grit, pure grit. It's like a bulldog. 
that bites down on that ball and you're swinging it around and the dang thing just won't let go. No matter how hard you try to swing that ball. Not that I've done that before, but I've seen people do it. You know, I'm like, that's me. Like, you know, like, and you know, going through business, you're going to get some of this going on. You just got to keep going, man. And then one thing that I've learned, I look past, I look beyond the challenges. I look beyond what's going on. I look on the outcome of all of this that we're creating. Try that. It's a pretty cool technique. Like, in the midst of saying, um, you know, maybe you didn't hit your, uh, well, maybe your loan terms didn't come as strong as you wanted. You're not raising as much equity as you thought you were going to raise, or whatever it may be. I actually look at the finish line, beyond the finish line. And I tell you, like, just getting my mind off today and looking at what I want tomorrow, but today, that has, like, created a lot of opportunity in my life and kept me and the up and up and not getting bogged down with these little things that happen throughout the day and try that because that as what has contributed to us taking down a lot of these deals and in the final moments of acquiring a deal and a lot of things are going wrong we're still able to find a way to get it to work so uh yeah so next question good good all right number two if you were to go back three to five years what might you have done differently that you wish you could have and I think I already said it on the, on the, in the meeting, like get a mentor, uh -huh. get a mentor, get a mentor, get a mentor, get educated and don't knock on that dude's door that owns that house next to you. Like stay away from that guy. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad deal. Yeah. So get him. The way I would have stayed away from that guy is I would have, if I would have mentor, I would have been able to do this a lot quicker uh, than I have. Okay. Yeah. Good. So where are you headed in the next three to five years? Great question, man. We all have a big, hairy, audacious goals. You heard of the BHAG, big, hairy, audacious goal? You all ever heard of that term? No, but uh, we can relate, yeah. No? Oh, okay. Anyhow, you know, this year, I have a goal of 1,000 doors, 1.5 billion in equity raise. But let me tell you something about this. Here's something cool that I'm doing. I'm going to try to say it real quick. I have, I'm creating a foundation, Anthony Impact Foundation where I'm asking myself the question, not how can my, we make a difference, not just how can we make a difference at our apartment we are focusing on, but how can my apartment be in the surrounding community? And I'm very excited about this. And the way we're doing this is we're finding key tenants who are already investing their time in the local community, volunteering at the um, local nonprofits, and we're getting behind them and supporting them in their cause. And the way we're doing that is if this, we identify on a quarterly basis, a tenant who is current on their rent, uh, is a model tenant and is volunteering in the local community, and we'll make an investment at that organization on their behalf and then recognize them. And we, uh, we, we, we have already, you know, identified some people doing that. And this one gentleman, he's like, he has he's a, he's a chef and he's having like local sushi training events in his apartment. And he's, he's volunteering at the local food bank and he's teaching them how to preserve your food so you can make it last longer to help the people have more food on, on a longer basis. And that's great. Like he's already making it in local community and we want to invest in that program on his behalf, right? And so we're really excited about that. So to answer your question, BHAG, you got to think big, man. You got to think big on these things. So like get your, get your our limited beliefs out of the way. Okay, $30 million invested in Anthem Impact Foundation five years from now.
Awesome. I love it. Well, good luck on that. I, I believe you can do it as well. Thank you. Uh, keep that grit going, right? What is your favorite book on business or money? Favorite book. You know, I've been reading this book right now called As a Man Thinketh by James Allen. It's a short read. The audio book is like 55 minutes, if that tells you anything, you know, and it's got big words too. So, <laughs> but any pop ups or pictures? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. A lot of pictures for pilots and Air Force. We like pictures. Just kidding. You know, <laughs> last chapter is called Serenity. Read that chapter. I'll just read you the last sentence. How about this? Sure. It says, self control is strength. Right thought is mastery. Calmness is power. Say unto your heart, peace, be still. Very good. I really like that. I really like that. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely have to look that one up and, and get to that one. Should be quick, like you said. All right, last, last one. Uh, what has been your biggest aha moment? Man, biggest aha moment is I wish I thought bigger. I wish I thought farther. I wish I had um, bigger expectations for myself. Like, I wanted to be a full-time investor when I retired from the Air Force. And I didn't realize how good it was going to be. This is an amazing experience I'm having. I'm very, very, very grateful. Grateful to everyone I've been able to work with. Grateful to all my investor partners to the opportunity to be able to do what I get to do. And I realized like really the sky's the limit, you know, and I talk about that BHAG, like go after that. That's the aha moment. It's real. I was sitting at 24,000 feet in my airplane, staring off in the distance. One day I woke up and said, oh my God, I'm a military pilot. I accomplished my goal. Now what the heck am I going to do with my life? And I didn't think beyond that. I didn't think beyond the age of whatever that was, 32, 33 at the time. You know, like think beyond like when you're 85, 90, 95, 105, 110, what does that look like? And what do you, what's the legacy you want to leave behind? And what's the magnitude of that legacy you want that impact to be? And I'm, I'm challenging myself to take that lid off my, take that lid off of me and go after that, go after that, you know, and realize it is possible. It is possible. So that's been the biggest aha moment is me realizing it's possible. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Ivan. It's been a pleasure speaking with you today and, and, and hearing all your insight. Thank you so much. Yeah, Ivan, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. I had a great time. Yeah. You guys take care. All right. See ya. It's been another episode of the Wealth Watchers podcast. I'm your host, Adam Lundy, from my co-host, Justin Hoggett, and I. Thanks for stopping by. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Until next time. This has been the Wealth Watchers podcast. If you enjoyed this content, please subscribe and leave a review on your podcast player of choice. Join us on Facebook where our members and guests are actively engaging in discussions on wealth-growing strategies by searching for Wealth Watchers Community on Facebook. 